Welcome to What If But Good, a podcast about writing badly until you can write well. I'm your host, Peter Lundquist. I'm your host that laughs too loud, Evan Pugh. And I'm your taller host, Silas Robinson. Each season, the three of us go through the daunting task of attempting to write feature-length screenplays from scratch in just 16 weeks. Will we succeed? Will we fail? Will we give up writing and get really into crystals? There is only one way to find out. Listen in each week as we battle our writing demons, each other, and the sound of a buzzing refrigerator on... What What if but but good? If you'd like to follow along with our rushed, unfinished pages each week, check us out at whatifbutgood.com and on all socials as whatifbutgood. All right, Silas, I think you're up. Okay. As I said, a lot of this happened at 4 a.m. You know, last week I, I launching into the character stuff pretty hot and heavy. You know, that was for two reasons. One was I, I wanted to make sure I had those characters in my head to inform what where the plot would zig and zag. And then the second reason was just practically for the script, since most of this story takes place in their subconscious. I really wanted to have an idea of what that would look like, so I would have ideas for cool set pieces. Cool set pieces. Cool set pieces. Go. The way that I... At the beginning of this week, I did not really have many ideas for what the middle of the movie was going to look like. And the way that I... I, Kind of what my process looked like is I, I sort of had all my little characters... Pokemon cards, which was like their name, what Ninja Turtle they are, what their biggest fear is, an important memory they have. Our main character is Flora. Like, I think that a big part of her journey is going to be and sort of learning to open up and, and accept feedback from other people and kind of work with other people, not, not sort of be so closed off. Yeah. And then when I would get stuck there, I'd be like, okay, so what are some cool dreams they could get stuck in? It's like, okay, well, this character is afraid of drowning, so let's have a water level. And <laughs> this character is, you know, uh, avoids conflict. So, you know, and, and then I would, I would sort of write a bunch of those without any particular idea of how they should go into the story. And then once I got stuck there, there I'd go back and so I just kind of bounced back and forth until I, I was like oh that would be cool if it went there I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into the beachy there's there's two things which I forgot to add on here at the end of uh, between four and five is where act one ends okay and between 10 and 11 is where act two ends there's there's a couple things which I am, am leaving kind of intentionally vague right now. The nuts and bolts of the first act and the third act, I'm trying not to get too specific about because I feel like, especially with science fiction, the first idea is never the best idea. And I want to make sure that I'm just re- staying really focused on the characters and the stories and their journeys that way and not so much on like in order to wake up you have to push the button you know and, and but the you know like I, that can all come later and i want to make sure that act one is really well spent setting up all the important stuff from act two and three and i want to make sure that act three is spent paying like i'm just i know i'm going to come up with better more interesting act three stuff when I'm in the guts of the scenes then you know, just sort of right now when it's all pretty hypothetical. So I'm keeping that pretty vague. And then just a lot of the sci-fi stuff I'm trying to keep extremely vague and I'll 
again, I'll, I, I feel like I'll come up with more interesting stuff further down the road. And then there's another thing which I haven't figured out yet, but I want to talk about that later. So um, let's jump in. First, tell us about the stitch. Okay. Well, okay. That was exactly what I wanted to talk about later. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. I haven't come up with a good sci-fi name for this thing where you sort of fall asleep and you have an experience. Okay. At the moment, I'm calling it stitching. And the, the, the video game cartridges are called Stitches. I don't like that. It will not be in the final draft, but I just had to type something. And that's so far the thing I've come up with that I like the most out of Stitches, Pins, Rabbits, Lucy's. There's Lucy's. <laughs> Lucy's, yeah. Like just the woman's name. For now, they're called Stitches. Wonderlands. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Just name it after a rave. Yeah. Pitbulls. Um... <laughs> So okay, so so we'll so for now it's called stitching. That's not going to stay. So for the the sort of the first point, this is kind of like our, our opening image, and I was thinking a lot about Jurassic Park, which is an interesting movie structurally because they were way into Act Two before anything really dangerous happens to the main characters. And which is unusual. Usually act two is like running from the spies. And mm-hmm. and I think that this, this movie is structurally a lot like Jurassic Park. And I think, you know, they talk about that opening image in the Save the Cat formula. And I think it's really important that the first scene of Jurassic Park is someone getting killed by a velociraptor. So you can't see any scene after that without in your head being like... These dinosaurs kill people sometimes. <laughs> um, so the the I feel like the my velociraptor in this story is dying while you're stitching. So the at the very beginning of the movie, someone is going to die while they're stitching. Um, it's okay. a thing that happens sometimes. So then you know in Act One, we're going to see Flora being isolated and lonely at her job not sort of living up to her dreams. As Joaquin, is, who's that sort of guy who that she worked with in the past, is going to reach out to her and say, hey, do you want to come do sort of this big, crazy, super con- computer stunt thing with us? Um, she's initially going to refuse because he's a shady guy and she doesn't trust him and he has burned her in the past. But then she's going to like, she can't stop thinking about like, oh my God, like what would I make if I could go into that thing? I have a bunch of ideas for what specifically is going to happen in this this first act, I don't want to commit to one yet until I, I have a much clearer idea of what Act Two is going to look like. I want to spend Act One setting up the stuff in Act Two, and I yeah, I don't have that yet. There's a bunch of ideas I, I just don't want to commit yet. So she she joins, uh, and and for I feel like the the important stuff to do here is we introduce all the side characters. We understand what the conflicts between everyone is going to be and and establish the relationships. We establish what our ticking clock is going to be. And then, so before they go down for their big sleep, they're going to say, okay, my name is Yvonne. I'm the engineer who designed all this technology. I'm setting a timer. It's like a snooze timer. It will wake us up after 10 minutes in this thing. We're just going to work at this 10 minutes at a time. Sick. Um, that's sort of stuff that's been established. Yeah. They go in, that's sort of our big first point of no return. We're in, we're in the dream thing now. So um, that's your, to use another term, your break in that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's, we now, we, it's too late for the movie to end yet. Yeah. So, so five through ten, right? Or second act? Five through ten is act two. Across the first threshold. Exactly. I can't remember how much of this I had decided last week, but I, I think what I'm pretty committed to at this point is that they, 
they have this sort of fancy director named Xavier who's like this boy genius who's only 23 and he's already directed two movies and uh, I mean Stitches he's already directed two Stitches and Saz held up one finger when he said two by the way (laughs) people at home to know that for you at home Peter is lying that didn't happen it's an audio medium baby (laughs) for those of you at home I'm no witness because I wasn't watching so there's sort of a um a conflict for Flora at this point is, you know, that she's kind of fulfilling her dreams by getting to create this uh, this this fantastic dream experience, mm-hmm. but she's not actually getting any creative input. They're, they hired her because she she's really good at rendering these things, right. and she's just fall executing Xavier's vision. So for the first chunk of time when they're in this fantastic dream it's just them creating stuff and this is the part of Jurassic Park where they see the dinosaurs hatch and they are driving around in the cars and they go to the lab and all that stuff it's like okay we're in the park and so far so good and I feel like what's important here is setting up the world setting up the places that we're gonna see and also sort of creating like what the little sign of trouble is um which in Jurassic Park would be this computer programmer seems like a real asshole (laughs) so we'll give Jerry his mail (laughs) (laughs) the first sign of trouble is that uh Flora is gonna notice that things are appearing that she didn't make. You know, Xavier will say, make a jungle, and she'll make a jungle. And it's all made out of plants that she's, like, spent time studying. And and then she'll look over and she'll see a plant that she's never seen before. And she's like, well, that didn't come from my brain. What's that doing there? Xavier is going to ask her to make a river. She's going to make one. And... The source of it is going to be at this sort of opening space where the game starts. Number six is kind of our first big conflict. And and uh, I, I forgot to mention that um, I say in, in number five, I say stated conflict. As Flora starts to notice that there's things that she's not creating that are appearing, this is when she's going to put her foot down and say, I don't trust you guys. I think you're a bunch of hacks. I don't think you really know how this technology works. This shouldn't be happening. I want to get out of here. I I quit. So then for part six, the kind of the first big conflict, the first big complication is a big, scary, dark cave is going to appear. And Xavier, our director, is going to get sucked into it somehow. So this is kind of like when the director dies in Pineapple... Exactly. No, not Pineapple. Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder. Yeah, exactly. It's when the director dies in Tropic Thunder. So their two characters, Tarika and Joaquin, are going to insist that they go in after him, even though Flora is going to say, like, no, I think it's a terrible idea. We shouldn't follow that. We should just get the fuck out of here. They go into the cave, and it dead ends. And it, it just gets smaller and smaller and smaller until they can't possibly go forward and they still haven't found Xavier so some crazy dream stuff is happening the character Yvonne panics because he's claustrophobic and he runs back out but the cave has changed and there's now no way out of it oh that's horrifying yeah um it gets worse my man uh now instead the only way forward is our there's our weenie a river which is flowing down into the cave. And they get there just in time to see Yvonne being sucked down the river. So now they're, they're down two people. Um, this is where we sort of establish what the goal of Act 2 is, which is we have to get out of here. And we don't have a clear way to do that. Um, we check in with our ticking clock here because 
they were supposed to just wake up on their own after 10 minutes and it's clearly been longer than 10 minutes and they haven't done that yet. So they're like, okay, something is really going wrong. This is the moment where Flora goes from being a lackey to she sort of establishes herself as an expert here. Mm. She makes the observation that they created the river at the place where you exit the dream and or the stitch, excuse me. Mm. And so she makes the observation, if we follow that river upstream, that should take us out of here. And she says, let's do that. Let's get out of this dream. We can work on waking up Yvonne and Joaquin or Yvonne and Xavier later. Let's just get out of here. But Joaquin and Tarek are like, no, let's let's just go get Yvonne and then we can do that. But but this is the first moment where she's like, I know more about this than you guys, and they kind of respond to that and respect her. And she gets outvoted two to one. It's like a Exactly. Yeah, that could be a tense scene there. Yeah. And nobody knows when they're gonna die. Right. Because it's like the oxygen like Yeah, and, and we've already established that time is it's very, very hard to judge how much time is passing yeah, yeah. like in like in a dream. Okay, so they they follow the stream. So instead of going upstream to the exit, they go downstream to where Yvonne got sucked away. So this is going to be our first major conflict, or our, I should say our first major uh, challenge in mm. Act 2. So they're going to travel downriver where they find an enormous luxurious mansion and they can see that Yvonne is trapped inside and they they go in there to get him but once they get inside they discover that they're suddenly living this life as these sort of fancy upper class people and there's all these servants who know they are and there's all these NPCs who know who they are and it's a time loop they just keep repeating the same thing over and over again and they can't figure out how to get out oh wow (laughs) and Yvonne at this point just is locked into the world. He's just living it. And he's sort of, he doesn't seem to... His eyes have glazed over. Exactly. He's one of the NPCs. Somehow Flora is going to figure out how to shake Yvonne out of that. The theme that I'm going off of here is this this big manor is from Joaquin's uh, subconscious. And he is somebody who is a flight person, not a fight person. He always avoids the problems oh. rather than faces them. That's what the time loop is all about. Yeah, is he's yeah. stuck. He won't. So when I figure out how they're going to get out of that, that's how I'm going to inform that decision. So they manage to escape with Yvonne, but Joaquin refuses to come with them. He gets completely consumed by this place. And so that's their first major defeat is... You know, what they established as their goal was let's round everybody up and then get out of here. They went back for Yvonne, but they lost Joaquin. So now at this point, and then there's no way they're getting Joaquin out of there. He's like consumed by this building. And so, so they've sort of, they have to change their goal, which is now just, okay, we're just, we just have to get out of here. It's just Yvonne, Margot, Terica, and Flora at this point. Xavier's gone. Joaquin's gone. We just got to get out of here. So this is your midpoint, more or less, where it's like, yeah, we've, we've gotten past the, what we think the world is. Now our goal is just to survive. Exactly. Exactly. This is Flora's first real victory in that with Joaquin gone and with her having just proven that she can outsmart this thing. <laughs> She's now the de facto leader. People are looking to her for advice and they're kind of following her lead. And they're doing what she said they should have done initially, which is go upstream, get the fuck out of here. I like that. So they travel upriver and they come to a point where 
they have to go underwater to progress. So Flora uses her great skills of creation to make them a bunch of air tanks, and they... Uh, oh, and I, I should mention, um, they rescue Yvonne, but he's, like, very coherent, and, and they have to kind of drag him along, and he's not, he's not really fully uh, awake yet. So that's sort of a, an establishment of stakes that this place will get in your head. But they travel up river. So they travel up river and they have to go underwater. So they, they kind of enter the river and are going against the current. Um, and they uh, they enter this, this, there's this very narrow trench that they have to walk through with this giant chasm on either side. And as they are working their way through it, up from the sort of dark depths comes uh, the corpses of people that they have disappointed. <laughs> 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 um, Grandma. Yeah. It's, All my exes, am I right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Myself. And uh, they sort of, it's sort of a, a Orpheus situation. It's like, yeah, don't don't talk to the corpses. But Margot succumbs and she sees some person from her past. And, uh, oh, I, 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 my idea was that, like, the, the corpses are being devoured by fish. Oh. And so Margot, like sees like the grandma she disappointed or or whoever the figure is and is like tries to like shoo the fish away like stop eating my grandma and as soon as she does that all the hands just grab her and she gets sucked down to the pillar uh, of salt moment exactly so uh the idea i had for this and i feel like this could use some fleshing out but i i wanted this part to be the most fucked up part of the movie where they are going deeper into the subconscious and this is like this is the the biggest test that they have to face and this is going to be the most trying part this is kind of their their whiff of death moment the idea that i had is that they they sort of obviously they they go after margo to try and try and get her back and they cannot do it and as they're sort of surrounded by all of these uh, corpses of people who have disappointed them, each one is attacked by a corpse of themselves, because they've all disappointed themselves, and is devoured. At which point they're sort of reborn as these awful, bloated, rotting versions of themselves, which they then proceed for the remainder of the movie as... Um, That's pretty horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> so the idea with this part is it's um it's it's Flora's second big loss. She lost Joaquin, and now she could not protect them from these awful, awful, scary things. And now every character has been traumatized, and uh, they're sort of have been faced with this reality, which is like this this place is going to kick our ass if we don't get mm-hmm. out of here. The, the house was sort of a fun puzzle box challenge. This fucking sucks. This is a nightmare. Yeah. Y'all have baggage. Um, <laughs> um, then the, uh, the, the other thing which I wanted to have at this point is this is where the characters start having difficulty remembering stuff which has happened to them in the past. They, they, everyone kind of feels like they're losing their minds. They're not in their original bodies. Uh, things start to feel a little mushy. Things are feeling really mushy. Things are feeling really scary. Everyone feels very out of control. And at this point, the characters start to consider the possibility that they might already have died in real life and the time might be up and they things might be getting so fuzzy and dark because 
their consciousness, like all that's left of their consciousness is just what's plugged into this machine. And it's just spraying DMT into their brains. <laughs> horrible nightmares. Exactly. And they're, they're already dead. Um, so they continue to travel upriver and they're, they're gross new bodies and they reach the opening area. Flora was right. They get back to the part of the, the level that they created at the beginning where you get out of the dream, out of the stitch and it doesn't work. God damn it. Hmm. They do the thing that they were going to do and it, they don't wake up. This is the like despair moment and Margo's like, what if we just kill ourselves? Um, I don't see any way that we can get out of here. I don't have any ideas. Flora's the only one who knows what's going on, and she doesn't have any ideas. Let's kill ourselves. And uh, no one else has a better idea. So this yeah. is like our, this is our, our all is lost moment. Flora has completely failed them. So before they kill themselves, Flora suggests that they take turns talking about whatever they can still remember about their lives. And they share their regrets and they share their fond memories. And this is the part where they, they sort of, you know, they've just been through this horrible trauma together and they sort of start bonding over it. And at this point, Yvonne finally speaks up. He finally kind of hearing them talk about this kind of awakens him. And he can't remember anything from his life. That's all gone. But he does remember that Flora saved him from the manor and he's extremely grateful for that. And that's what he wants to say. He's like, before I die, I just want you to know how much I appreciate that you didn't leave me in there because I was so scared and I felt so alone. And at this point, Flora has a realization, which is Xavier was the one who was creating this whole stitch. And this was his vision. And he... It maybe if she can go back and save, like maybe the reason they can't escape from here is because there's still people trapped in it. And maybe if they can go back and find everybody and and save them and and rescue them from their own subconsciousness, that will be the way that they get out. This is our meeting with the goddess point. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Yvonne is the the goddess. This is where we kind of separate and we face our the consequences of the choices we made in that too. Margo's like, I, I can't keep coming with you. I can't go back in that water. I can't I just can't do this. I, I will wait here with Yvonne. And Terika, who I think is gonna be the most hostile to Flora at the beginning of the movie, is like, yes, I will come and help you. I think this is a good idea. At this point the tension between the characters is over. We've we've gotten to the point with the relationships that we're, where we're going to and that's sort of our B story ending. And this is our second point of no return. Flora turns around with Terika and they go back into down the river into the depths of this awful place. It's um, like in Fury Road where they agree we're going back across the desert. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, yeah, when, I, I like or, or at the end of Aliens where she's like, I have to go back in to rescue Newt. Um, yeah. One one thing, just really quick. Yeah, yeah, please, um, please. Is Ivan's lack of memory the thing that makes Flora realize that she needs to go back and get Xavier. The idea that I had was the the realization comes from his gratitude, where, you know, she's been very um, callous and kind of cold up till this point, where she's like, we just need to get out of here. Yeah. We... We, you know the the f- f- we don't have time or 
the resources to go back and, and, and help everybody that gets left along behind. We just need to get out of here and then we can worry about that later. But him kind of giving that, uh, saying thank you to her in that way, she kind of realizes like, man, Joaquin and Xavier are probably suffering so much down in there. And um, in terms of how she makes the connection of maybe finding Xavier is the key to getting out of here, I don't have an idea yet of how that happens. I was gonna, I was gonna say I don't have a good idea either, but it would be a good, a good opportunity to match the emotional arc with something physical and and visual. Like yeah. the the things that she, for example, the things she wasn't creating were the things that had something to do with Xavier, right? Yeah. Maybe she sees something she saw in Act 1. That's right. And great, she yeah. sees another, like, oh, here's that weird plant again. Xavier must still be alive. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and the... the This is a, a spoiler for two minutes from now when I tell you what happens in Act 3, but um, an idea which I had is that the part of the reason that this space is so fucked up is because Xavier doesn't know how the story ends. Hmm. And he has, like, you know, obviously this won't be dialogue, but he has, like, writer's block. And so the world is kind of just being filled with everyone's insecurities since... um, So maybe, like, we could hint at that in some way, or she could have some kind of a revelation in that direction where it's like, yeah, I I think this would be a really good place to, as, as you say, put something physical where she's like, oh, wait a minute. It's because Xavier has writer's block. It's because... Um, this, this happens really well in uh, the movie Stranger Than Fiction with Will Ferrell. Oh, yeah. It's a great movie. Uh, where he kind of figures out that... Uh, when he figures uh, out what's going on. Yeah. When he figures out what's going on, he's yeah. like, wait, I, anything I do will turn up in this narrative. And then he confronts the author of the story being told about his life. And she's like, wait, anything I write about you has to be this way? And, you know. Yeah, totally. I, I, I agree with you that, that that should definitely be a physical thing. And I that's an example of a sci-fi thing that I want to wait until I think of something really cool um, and satisfying. Uh, But I I could know. Okay, so Flora and Terika go back into the cave and this this was the first thing that I thought of and I might change it, but the river is now dried up and it's a fossilized boneyard and they're kind of walking across all the bones of those corpses that were attacking them before and they find the manor that they were in before and it's been completely destroyed by the ravages of time it looks like a ruin and as they sort of try to keep going even deeper the path is blocked by some corrupted version of Joaquin who's gone completely mad and Bill Murray and Groundhog Day if you never learned his lesson exactly yes. exactly exactly <laughs> and Terika holds him off while Flora presses on this is definitely the beat I feel the most vague about I feel like this is kind of a placeholder until I think of something more emotionally satisfying yeah the the makes Flora be the individual going into the final battle. Yeah, I definitely want her to be the individual going into the final yeah. battle. I don't really have any ideas for what Terika is doing with her. I think it would be satisfying if this person who, yeah. Maybe she gets some, somehow like entangled with Joaquin and it's like, you go on. Yeah, I think something like that. I, I would love for it to be also a lesson about, like I'd love it to, to connect line up with sort of emotionally yeah. what's happening and also like what I have to say about creation and success and 
Um, Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I'm not going to worry. I'm trying not to worry too much about that yet. So then finally Flora gets down to the base of, of the dream. She gets down to the very bottom and she finds Xavier and he's like a thousand years old and he's on his deathbed and he's this old man. And he's surrounded by all of his descendants as if he's lived here for hundreds of years and he has his children and their children and their children and um, there's this whole society that has sort of sprung up around Xavier and their village is completely cut off from everything and they're totally isolated from the rest of the world because there's this shadowy dark monster that's blocking their path and no one they they one time eons ago someone tried to fight it and and it just glanced at them and they were destroyed so no one has ever tried to fight it since then this is sort of the the moment in act three where it's like we sort of get to sit there and wonder like man how the fuck is she gonna beat this thing and she spends i think a pretty long time there living with these people yeah and eventually she says well i just have to try something so she creates of another version of herself Mm. played by a different actress who looks similar oh cool And she says, listen, I'm going to go try and fight this monster. And I don't know if it's going to work or not. But if I fail, you have to make a copy of yourself and try something different. So this is what I'm going to try and wish me the best of luck. And she goes and she faces the monster and she gets killed instantly. So then that copy of herself that she made grows up and spends her adulthood like trying to come up with what the best plan is going to be to fight this thing. And when she finally feels like she's ready, she creates a copy of herself and is like, this is what my creator told me. And I'm going to, I'm your creator and I'm going to tell you this same thing. I'm going to try and beat this thing. And I don't know if it's going to work. Uh, And so she tries. Two specific points of reference I'm thinking of here. Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is (laughs) one. Mm -hmm. The other one is this, uh, this 3DS role-playing game called (laughs) Default. It's, it's basically the same thing where like uh, the the huge problem with the game is that it restarts its narrative halfway through and then you have to play the game four more times. Oh, I've heard about this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like the, the team is assembled. They go down to beat the big boss. They think they win, but actually are destroyed. Right. And uh, then time restarts from when they met each other. But the game is fucking nightmarish to get through because you have to watch the whole you have to play for like six hours of the story you've already played through before. Oh boy, that's rough. And only the little things have changed. Okay. Uh, yeah, play. Watch the YouTube video about the first half of Breaking the Default. <laughs> I will. Okay, so so we sort of go through this montage as generation after generation tries to fight this thing, and they just keep failing again and again and again, and they keep creating versions of themselves and saying. Try something else. Here's all the things we've tried. Domamu have come to bargain. Exactly. <laughs> um, so eventually, after generations and generations, one of her progeny has the idea of, of going into the, the cave and she makes herself larger and larger and larger until the monster is just a tiny little speck. And so she steps past it and... She doesn't even, she can't even really process that it's there because it's so small. And the thing that she finds behind it is 
the entrance to that cave from the beginning of the movie that Xavier got sucked into. So she walks into it and gets smaller and smaller and smaller, just like it did at the beginning of the story. But this time she makes herself smaller and smaller and smaller until she can easily walk through. And on the other side is the exit. And I left that incredibly vague because I feel like that has to be... This part of the movie should have zero dialogue in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like a van riding in the van to the desert kind of thing. It should be something where the audience just looks at it and immediately knows what it is. Uh, The only idea I've I've had at this point is there's, like, all of the other five people who are lost in this place Mm -hmm. as, like, these statues that are grown over with moss and cracked and they look like these ancient artifacts as if thousands of years have passed. That's probably not what I'm going to go with, but that's the only idea. We see some cool shit that tells us... I pictured the Wizard of Earthsea ending, where it's like the you get further and further out and the horizon becomes less distinguishable and you can't tell what's water and what's sky. And then eventually you're just so far out that it's void. Yeah. And then that's when you've reached the apotheosis or whatever. Yeah, and, and honestly, um, I just you just said that, I just realized a way better ending would be that it's a blank space, because this is about creation. So it's a blank space, and she creates something, and it's the ending to the story that we've set up in some way, you know, think of what that is. Hopefully, unless I get writer's block! And then they all wake up, and... Flora's the first to wake up and she, you know, checks to see if the others are alive. And we have that great moment where she's like, holy shit, I have died a thousand times. And my whole sense of self has been completely obliterated. And she's like, all the memories are rushing back. And it's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Flora. Oh, my God. I work at this shitty job I hate. Oh, my God. All these people are here. And uh, one by one, they all wake up. And I don't think any of them die. I don't have any... I can't think of any reason why it's fun if any of them have died. The, the <laughs> it's not, it's it shows yeah. well on your character. Thank you, I appreciate that. Um, and then the idea I had, and I don't know if I'm going to stick with this, is that seven minutes have passed, and the timer worked just fine. It's, it's only been seven minutes. Yeah. And they all would have just woken up if they waited. But maybe I won't do that. I don't know. <laughs> and then they travel back through the desert, looking at each other and the world with new eyes, having been through such a crazy... Uh, self-destroying ordeal. Damn. So that's that's what I got. It's 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 really dark. Yep. I was I was writing this and I was thinking, okay, so I gotta have some real funny dialogue. <laughs> well it's not it's not like in a bad way. It's 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 cool because it's just like it plays with time and that kind of thing and plays with your expectations of of living. Yeah, I like it. I really liked that this is a basically in an extremely dark mirror, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It is, yeah, yeah, totally. Including the fact that one of the first people to go is sucked away by a river. Right, yeah, the whole river yeah. thing. It's not yeah. a chocolate river, but it's still <laughs> it's a river of your regrets. So one thing that based on that, in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, it's a very it's it's made so children can understand that it's a morality tale. Right. But uh, each character who suffers their end, so to speak, it ties into something about them specifically. Right. Like, Violet Beauregard can't stop chewing gum. <laughs> and she chews so much gum and she won't stop. And that is what leads to her becoming a giant blueberry. <laughs> in, in, in sillier terms. Mm-hmm. Do, do you have in mind, like, a sin for each of these characters? I, I, I 
think that pictures Xavier's pretty clearly. Yeah. But what's what's the thing that leads to each of them going to their fate? Yeah, um, my sins for the characters are that Joaquin always avoids dealing with consequences at any cost, even to the point where he will sort of lock himself in. I mean, the manor is, is the house he grew up in. I just yeah. pictured it being very proper English people, like, yeah. avoiding, like, hey, hey, I'm quite sorry, I didn't mean to. Exactly. No, you didn't mean to, I didn't mean to. Exactly, yeah, and, and, it's, and it's like, any, like, if you ever say anything thing like hey so do you do you know where our friend Yvonne is it'll be like perhaps we should step into the parlor and they'll just take you back to the beginning of the loop and so yeah he, he it's his childhood home and he would rather spend an eternity living out a very very safe consequence free version of the same day over and over again than like face uh you know face the consequences of, of what he's done and, like, confront it head on. Um, so that was my deal with him. With Yvonne, the thing that I had for him, and, and I feel like he's the reason I had him be unconscious for most of the script is because I, I feel like he has his shit together the most of any of these characters, so it's I feel like he, he almost has the least to learn, but he always has to feel in control at all times. That's why he, he hates the, the confines of the cave. He hates being trapped and, like, bound. Um, and his biggest fear is helplessness, and so he is... He's really stubborn, and he will continue trying. He's like the opposite of Joaquin. Instead of Joaquin, who just always avoids everything, Yvonne will keep hitting his head against the same problem forever, even if it's an impossible problem. So that was my deal with him. And then with Terika, I, I wrote that like in her professional life, she habitually surrounds herself with people that she sees as incompetent so that she feels better about her own work. Hmm. And she sort of self-sabotages, where rather than face her own limitations, she would rather feel like a hero and have the project fail. Yeah. yeah. And that's why her the chasm is her subconscious, and that's why they're swarmed with the people they've disappointed, and, and it's they want to drag you down. I was just yeah. kind of curious if like what degree you had thought of these things it seems like yeah. you thought of them pretty pretty extensively yeah like, yeah sorry I didn't, I didn't we don't have to no, no. every yeah anyway cool. I, I did yeah I definitely want that to, to come across um yeah and I feel like that's gonna be a big act one challenge mm-hmm. is like when we meet these characters how do we know this stuff like, like how can I make sure that the audience knows these things about these people and not just have it be character tokenism where they're like, yeah. hey, what's up? Uh, you guys are all idiots and I'm the smart yeah. one. You know me as the smart one. I'm yes. a cool but rude dude. <laughs> Stoner, Canadian. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was, was yeah. going to list a whole bunch of different people. There's only two I can come up with. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I definitely want the single biggest thing that is locking them in the space is Flora's flaws in her Charlie and the Chocolate Factory thing and and she has to descend into hell and experience death and conquer in order to and for her it's she she isn't willing to try uh, because she's afraid of failing which is why she has to create a society built around (laughs) (laughs) failing and trying again and 
all that. So yeah, that's that's yeah. what I have. Um, I think it's very very cool. Yeah. Thank you. My only caution to you would be. <laughs> Act three could be a hundred pages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're not careful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But um, other than that, I mean, I think you've thought out a, a lot of what the big problems are. Even if you don't have solutions to every single one of them right now, you've, you've got you ideas did. of what drives the story, what to set up early and what to pay off later, you know, all that stuff. You, yeah. the, the questions are in place, which is good. It's a good place to be. Thanks. I, I feel like the the single biggest thing that I'm worried about, just knowing myself, is that this is a fucking bummer. Write <laughs> <laughs> it as one. Why um, not? Just like that first draft doesn't have to carry the same tone as everything else. I mean, if that's what it comes out of, it's first. Yeah, I, I feel like I, I know that if I'm left to my own devices, I'm going to make this as awful and brutal and miserable as I possibly possibly can and so I feel like I should like okay that's not going to be a problem the the bummer aspect of this will just naturally flow from my personality but yeah. I, <laughs> I I feel like I need to make like, sure I'm taking the time to make to put right so stuff. Same yeah. thing with- so in a, in a book I mentioned earlier how to write movies for profit they lay out their three act structure as act one get someone likable stuck up a tree act two throw rocks at them act three they get out of the tree or die <laughs> or die yeah <laughs> for this I think the thing that will really push your story into like we it'll be very compelling make us really like and root for Flora above all and other characters in addition because like no matter what Ripley goes through in Alien we're like come on Ripley just just power through we love you we want to see you succeed and so no matter how big of a bummer it is it's like whatever we just we want to see this person overcome great odds I had the idea that I want her to be super funny yeah just very quick witted and sarcastic which is a de- that's her covering up for all of her insecurities, but then also I'm like, if she's really funny, then we'll like her, yeah. and we'll be like, oh, she's cool. I it would be a shame if that sweet funny lady was trapped in a hell for eternity. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if Ellen Page's character was the main character of Inception, except wouldn't that have been better? <laughs> it, a it would have been better, and B they didn't need to. Cast Ellen Page and then take out all the things that make her Ellen Page. Right. You know, <laughs> like yeah. where she's likable and funny and sweet and everyone wants to see her do well. Yeah. You know, I I went on longer than I <laughs> think is a good idea, but I, I appreciate you guys listening. Next week. Next week. Next week. Peter, what do you want to have done by next week? So next week is supposed to be the supposedly the last week of prep, right? Yeah. So I guess I'm just gonna try to have each scene kind of laid out mm-hmm. not more than a sentence or two of detail it's gonna be a time crunch for me I, I don't want to say every action that happens in every scene I don't want to write the Tom Lennon Robert Van Garen outline cards that they do just a sentence or two about each of the scenes what about you Evan Next same week. thing roadmap mm-hmm. so I can come in and show you guys my note cards I got a bunch of different colored pens so I can do the different characters and, and kind of keep a sense of how everything is balancing out and whether or not it is balancing out oh yeah consider consider doing the D&D thing okay and yeah. coming up with 
up with some dumb bullshit that has nothing to do with the story. Yeah, I, I, I want to have a sentence for every scene in Act 2. I, I don't want to commit to doing that for Act 1 and Act 3 yet, because I'm not going to write those first. I'm going to write those last, once I know all the stuff that I need to set up and pay off. So for next week, I, I want to have one sentence for every single scene that happens in Act 2, and have all of the questions that we talked about with, like, I don't know if they get devoured. I want to have, I want to sort of at least have... Is that your impression of me? That's my, that's, that's my impression of me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I want to have a a clear idea of those things and I want to have a fucking title and know what this stupid technology is called <laughs> veneer is that anything <laughs> could they be called veneers uh, venereal diseases am I right hey the clap <laughs> The venereal disease is what they get when they become the rotting corpse versions of themselves. Like, oh, I got a disease with veneer. It's venereal disease. Yeah. It just, I think that really what Terika should do in this is just non-stop one-liners from top to bottom. <laughs> a lot of puns. Oh, yeah. A lot of, you know, uh, v- v- veneer, I hardly knew her. <laughs> Veneer? You mean the guy who painted the girl with the pearl earring? <laughs> hey, Margot is short for the French Marguerite, which means pearl. <laughs> and the girl earring. <laughs> All right, guys. Oh, wow. What a great podcast. If we, if we stop now, we escape in under two hours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Compelling. Have a great week, everyone. Time we'll we have a great week.